This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is always better late than never. How appropriate tonight. Uh, anyway, Chelsea left it late for the second game in a row this season, snatching victory from the jaws of defeat, courtesy of a debut goal from Batshuayi and Costa. It was deja vu, with Costa netting the winner, having been lucky not to get a second yellow and his marching orders. Just like against West Ham. But do we care? Not a bit. Conte's subs fitted like the natty cap he sported during the game. Fabregas patently making the difference with a superb pass for Costa's goal. But it begs the question, why not start with a dynamic duo up front and Fabregas behind? One thing is for certain, Il Capo has a midfield conundrum to solve. I am Stamford Chidge and the name of tonight's show is The Dynamic Duo. And I would like to think we have a dynamic quad, quad, what is it? Quartet. There you go. I knew I'd get there in the end. The brain's a bit fudged today, folks, so be warned. But yes, I think we've definitely got a dynamic quartet even (laughs) in the house tonight. And of course, I'll get my teeth in in a minute. Uh, First and uh, of course, uh, as always, we have uh, His Right Honourable Highness, the uh, Jonathan Kidd of West London. Hello. How lovely to be here. Very nice to hear you, of course, after our little issues last week. You're coming through live and direct, Jonathan. That's what I like to hear. And you're very uh, loud, have... Chidge. Very loud, I'm well, pleased to say. Good. I am or you are? You are. Very good energy, Chidge. Very good. Well, you know, my mother says I have a stentorian voice. Yeah, yes, yes I agree completely. Yeah, lots of yeah. stent in that, yeah. It took me a long time to figure out whether it was a compliment or not, but there you go. Um <laughs> Dan, 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 Dan Silves is in the house too. Good to see you, Dan. Hi, mate. How you doing? I'm all right, fella. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, happy with uh, another win. So that's uh, all, the, all that I require to make me happy. And last, but by no means least, we have Gate17's finest, uh, the uh, the legendary Mark Worrell in the house. Good evening. Buonasera. 
as we say. Buonasera, mi amigo. How are you? Molto bene. Molto bene. That's very impressive like. Italian. Very impressive. Italian. Well, you have you have Italian lineage, do you not, Marco? Indeed, mia mamma. That's right. There we go. So, um, okay. So it's a good lineup tonight. I'm thoroughly looking forward to the show. So, without further ado, on the show tonight, we will be discussing the dynamic duo of Costa and Batshuayi, and asking why do I get all misty-eyed about four four two? Plus, we've got the latest scores on the doors for Saturday's fan duel game. Um, slightly less embarrassing for me less this week, but still embarrassing. Uh, in part two. We're going to take a look at Chelsea's midfield conundrum. Uh, why being outflanked is still very much a problem for the defence, and why our wingers are so often wide of the mark. Plus the classic football shirts competition. What is it, Jonathan? It's it's a it's a, a, a classic a classic shirt. There you go. He's he's only he's only getting warmed up now. When we get to it, he'll be in full effect. Trust me. Folks. Sorry, I was a bit I was now, a bit throaty, wasn't I? I, was a bit, I let you all down a bit then. Sorry, I'm, it's all right. I was, you know, I was we, taken we can... aback slightly by being asked so early on in the proceedings to, to well, make the, that. Well, the uh, clue in the script that. was the fact it says classic. You know, yeah, no, no, I saw that. Yeah, I see, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's true. It it's amazing, true. isn't it? There we go. Anybody would have th thought that I put effort into this. Um, in part three, uh, <laughs> by way of a change, by way of a change, a bit, a bit of a curveball to the boys here because I didn't actually tell them I was going to do this but we've got an interview with a lovely young lady called Hannah and Hannah runs uh, the Chelsea Ladies Fans website and Twitter account and uh, I had a chat with her last Friday uh, when she told me all about her experiences following our very talented and successful ladies team and and I thought well you know uh, we've, we've We've never really covered the ladies' football team, and I think it's about blooming time we should. So, lovely uh, interview with Hannah in part three. And in part four, we have a couple of emails from you, the listeners, including one from my old mucker from Los Angeles, the Bob Butker of the Chelsea fancast, Mr. Michael Roban. Old Roban emailed me, and I had a little text chat with him as well. He's on great form, so look forward to that. And, of course, we'll have the usual round of Chelsea supporters' news. And, of course, we will be announcing the winner of Clayton Beerman's book, Palpable Discord, published by uh, Mr. Mark Worrell, of course, in Gate 17. Isn't that right, Marco? It is indeed. There you go. Um, now, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by live. going to Mixler. Live. Live. It's live. Uh, Mixler, M-I-X-L-R dot com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many of you are already doing. I'm going to have a quick whiz through and see what the peeps are saying. Clive Lewis, evening all, weather turning nice, t-shirt match day tomorrow. Consufuse, I can't even pronounce that, but Consufuse, hello from Saudi Arabia. Matt Jazz, me and Marco's great mate from Slovenia. Matt Jazz, Hannah is my daughter's name. Well, there you go, great name. Osgood9, oi oi, that's what we like. Oi oi Savaloy, we should say. Diane from uh, Dubai, evening, afternoon, or morning, all depending on where you live. If she don't come, hello all. Sajin uh, is in the house. Dan Lundberg, or should we say Dan Lundberg underscored? We maybe we should. He's in the house. So oh, Ali's in there, and uh, oh goodness, so many people. So it's lovely to have you all in the house. Mark Barfoot's in there too. Uh, Dylan, James Peregrine, there's loads of you. So uh, I will try and interact with you a bit tonight. I'm usually really crap at it, but I will try. Um, but do keep posting, and I, and I do keep an eye on what you're saying. 
Of course, there's always Twitter if you want to tweet us at Chelsea Fancast as well. Uh, and of course, another reminder that this season we're now on a new podcast platform called Acast. So make sure you download the Acast app to listen to the podcast or just search for it at www.acast.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Um, but as always, the, the podcast will be available to download a couple of hours after the live show and you can still get it on SoundCloud and iTunes and every single podcast platform ever, I think. But there you go. Right, enough of my prattling on. Uh, it's time to talk some football, which we will be doing after this wonderfully uh, created sting. So uh, it had to be, it had to be the dynamic duo and, and I think the first thing that occurs to me and actually uh, um, Mark wrote a very interesting piece in uh, on ESPN's website about this but it was the subs that made the difference again or more to the point is it Conte making the difference again uh, with the changes that he made during the game with, with, the, with the substitutions, Fabregas, Batshuayi, Moses too I think deserves a shout on that score don't you think Marco? Yeah definitely um... Well, I think for for the second game running, um, he hasn't been afraid to roll the dice when when needed and got the result, which I guess sort of going into the Burnley game begs begs the question, is he going to change it this time? I mean, obviously he had the change, uh, William not being available against Watford forced on him. Um, But, you know, is he going to go with Costa and before he gets suspended and Batshuayi up top together? from the off against Burnley. I think a lot of people would like to see that, me included. Well, I mean, let, let's go straight into the 4-4. The four, four. As, I, as I always like to say, in honour of the wonderful Mike Bassett, 4-4 uh, four, four, fucking 2. Um, it just, you know, I, I, I see I, there's two games in a row where suddenly, I mean, I know Fabregas had a great deal to do with it on, uh, on, on Saturday with that superb pass and a lot more besides, more of which we will talk about later. But... I just think that teams look so much more threatening when there are two strikers, particularly when, you know, I, I've always liked this idea of the broadsword and the rapier. And, you know, Costa is without doubt a very broad broadsword. Um, but it looks like Batshuayi um, could well be the rapier. I mean, I thought that, that the first goal, when was the last time any of you lot remember a Chelsea striker being in the right place to tap in a rebound off a keeper? And then, of course, the other thing was I thought that left-footed shot uh, that he that he hit against the bar uh, in the dying minutes was brilliantly skillful. Drogba-esque. Drogba-esque. Well, but he, he's not quite the the beast, is he, that Drogba was, Jonathan? But he's got some skill, this lad, hasn't he? I think he's a, he's looking great. See, that's what I love about mm. uh, players coming in and showing immediately how good they are. And this is the trouble with the youth who, uh, God bless them, they come in and they don't quite do it. And we all say, give them a bit of time. It's not the world anymore where we have to give him time. He's come in and he's looked fabulous. Can I just make a point here? 
I, I think that you don't play both of them from the very beginning. And I think that I think Watford have been renowned for the, uh, all last season in particular for getting for losing it after 70 minutes. That was a pattern they did last year. And I think we're fitter than most teams. I think we were fitter than yeah, the Hammers, yeah. even though the Hammers had, had been playing a um, pre-season. They'd had some um, Europa League. But uh, I, I think it works perfectly to bring on um, Batshuayi to play with Costa and uh, once again, Mer thank your shout about Moses is absolutely right. I think Moses has been outstanding coming on. And I have to say, I think that Pedro is still lightweight. Um, and Moses, I think Moses should play from the beginning. I don't think we should play 4-4-2 um, uh, from the beginning. And I think I like the way that it comes on and it really takes the opposition by surprise playing that way. Because it, 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 it's it's like, you know, what is this, this business about him playing till the end? Um, uh, um, Conti. It, it just gives a great energy to the team, the fact that they're up for it right to the end of the 90 minutes with all these excellent players coming on. And I think it gives the game away. I don't think where you, there's nowhere you can go. And the midfield then hasn't got enough players in it to deal with, with teams who will, I think, overrun us. I think you have to actually play with the way that he's playing. But there's a brisker tempo than we did on Saturday. And uh, and then bring them on as the, as the shock troops, as it were. I think Batshuayi will, will, will end up eventually playing um, most of uh, half the season because poor old Costa can't keep his gob shut and, uh, and well, these refs, well, let, let, refs let's, immediately yeah, will get I mean, let, let's, let's, let's get into that now, Jonathan. I mean, you know, Marco kind of indicated much the same, didn't he, a minute ago. So we've got another three games with Costa before he gets his ban, you know, because <laughs> yes, he's, pick, yes. he's, he's picking up... Because, of course, remember, and, and you know, there are, there are people who are listening to this who will know that I put up a... Uh, a blog about uh, Costa, which I'm very proud of the title. Actually, I called it "The Filth and the Fury," uh, yes. you know, in yes. honour of in honour of the Sex Pistols' uh, 40th anniversary this year. Um, but you know, it was basically saying that, and I thought it was really interesting because he's actually, in terms of strikers who foul people, he is 16th in the table, and uh, I can't remember who, who's Shane Long heads it with 30. <laughs> and, and Costa's got yeah, Costa's committed, and this is this calendar year, by the way. Yeah. Um. So he's not as dirty as people would like to think, and of course he's never received a, a red card, has he, Dan? Yeah, he got one against Everton, but that's only one in two years. For two, that's for two Sorry, yellows. He's only had one, hasn't he? Yeah, that's, that's very. True. Listen, his, his game, he's so aggressive, and he's he's passionate. That's what we you know we always decree that last season. Is the only one who showed any passion? Yes, he needs to try and control it. Hopefully, as Conte said, he doesn't like. What Costa does, so he needs to try and control that. He's not going to get his decision and slamming that's a really good on the point. floor. That's, that's not a really good decisions. point. Sorry, Dan. Say that yeah. again. I, I talked over you. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, he's not going to get every decision and slamming your, you know, your fists on the floor and running through referee if you don't get what you want isn't going to help yourself and it, and it his reputation then proceeds him. So he may have well, said something just off the cuff and boom, straight away, yellow card. So he's got to have a little well, bit of self Well, here's the thing, actually, and I'm going to allude to uh, the. Uh, brilliant little blog that Joe Tweeds has just put up actually on Umaxit or whatever they're called but actually I know and, and this nobody picked this up in the media so well done to Joe I actually also spotted this at the time to be fair but the reason uh, Costa gobbed off at the referee was because one of the Watford players went straight through him clearly fouled him left him on the floor and from that they then went up, up and scored so I think Costa was basically giving it to the referee saying mate I was fouled why didn't you blow up for a free kick and then you let Watford go on score so he was clearly very cross but I agree with you I think in this new kind this year the referees have got um, some very interesting uh, 
strategies, and they're, they're they're clearly not putting up with any dissent whatsoever. It's immediately but also, Chich, as I said last week, Chich not dealing with it very well because I think that because he carded um, Costa on the halfway line, wasn't it? He then didn't feel the he should card him again for the dive. I don't think that was. Well, I let's get into that. Let's point. get. Let's get that into into that in a minute, because um, I agree with you. And I, and 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 I, well, actually, no bugger it. We'll go into it now because I think it's worth talking about. I've got to be honest. I thought again, like last week, he was very very lucky not to be sent off because that was a blatant dive, wasn't it, Marco? Blatant. I mean, that was pretty pretty was, crap, wasn't it, Marco? It was theatrical. <laughs> it was actually. Do you know what? It was worse than Tom Daly's performance in the Olympic semi final in the ten meter diving. I reckon. Neil Point. I think the, I think the thing with Costa is, um, and it, you know, I mean, we we all know this anyway. He's like, he's he's allowed himself to be cast in the role of pantomime villain. Um, so you know, he's he's not really the threat that um, he thinks he is. But the referees don't see it that way, and unfortunately, you know, he's two yellow cards to the to the bad already. Um, you know, he, I mean, I don't know who the ref is yet for the game on Saturday. Um, you Judge know, Jeffries, I think. He's already booked Costa, apparently. Well, I can, <laughs> yeah, I can, yeah. You know, I can see when we play Liverpool in that Friday night um, get fixture, which I think is three games away. Um, yeah. I can see that being the one where he invokes the ref of probably Clattenburg, as it will probably yeah. be. And, and that'll I, be it, his first suspension of the season. I just think, the, think the, media, the media have got a witch hunt for Costa. I mean, he, he gets it from every single, pretty much every single outlet in the media. Match today were criticising him. Yet on the other hand, they were saying that Coquelin shouldn't have been sent off against Leicester. So the media aren't helping his case either. And it's, he but does they never have, be, Dan. No, but a marked man, I mean, he, particularly Costa, the whole time. It's, you know, he, he's an, he's an easy crime. target. Yeah, I mean, number one. I mean, I mean, he is an easy target because, uh, you know, he does do some silly things and he does play on the edge. And, you know, he, he feeds into this uh, slavering need by the media for something to talk about for 24-7. Mm. Uh, and they build it up and they build it up. And, and, I, and I've written articles about this many times that there is an... Un, I don't think that they're deliberately biased, but I think that... And I don't even think that there's actually an agenda, but I do think there is an unconscious bias. And I'm going to say something quite controversial here. I also think there's there's almost an unconscious racism at play here. You know, if you get a big hairy-ass number nine who's English and he mixes it with people, it's applauded. When and it's Carol. a foreigner... When it yeah, when it's a foreigner, Zero. it's like well, what do you expect? You know, that's what the continentals do, isn't it? All those dark arts. It's an unconscious, and I, I choose my words carefully here. It's an unconscious racism which has been built up over a number of years about our attitude to a lot of the foreigners that play the game. I mean, Marco will remember this. Whenever we played Italy, it would be same old eye ties, always cheating, wouldn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, well, it's part of that kind of thing. He, he, you know, Costa has been stereotyped, you know, but, I mean, you have to look at the the sensible side of this. And, and at present, you know, we've shipped out Traore on loan to Ajax, who, you know, was a good um, stand-in last season when Costa wasn't available, which he was, wasn't for quite long periods. Um, and obviously Falcao and Pato weren't weren't up to the job. 
um, and neither was Remy. Um, we're kind of in a bit of a hole now because we've got a few, you know, a week to go to the end of the transfer deadline window. Um, we don't have Traore. Costa's certainly going to get a ban, isn't he? Which means we've yeah. got Michi, um, you know, and if that kid gets gets injured or whatever happens, you know, we, yeah, there's we, no one. Yeah. You know, and, uh, well, I I wonder if I wonder if that that's what the thinking is behind what Conte was saying, and I think this is really interesting actually because it does echo a lot of what I mean. We love Costa, we love his attitude, we love the way he plays, but. Uh, we're all, I think, what we've all expressed here for the last five or six minutes is our, our concern that he's not going to be playing every game. And this is what Conte said after the match, and I just think this is spot on. He says, Diego must be focused on the game, on the game. I don't want him to focus on other players, other managers, or the press, or people that talk badly about him. He must just stay very focused on the game because, for me, the game and performance is the most important thing. The others are only blah, blah, blah. It's important to pay attention during the game because he is an important player and he can score a lot of goals. So I want him to put himself in the game, not to think of other situations. It's not good for me, it's not good for him, and it's not good for Chelsea or the fans. I mean, I always feel like doing a round of applause after that. It's amazing, don't you think? Spot on. I mean, that is absolutely now on the head. If he, if he just channeled his energies but kept his aggression into the game, he'd be... 25, 30 goals this season because he's undoubtedly talented. Both finishes were really first class and he's, he's a goal scorer. He can channel his energies into the right direction on the game. Forget about the centre-halves kicking him and whatever they're doing to him. Just get on, score goals, let the football do your talking. Dan, do you think Absolutely. anybody's actually explained to him that there is this new edict that if you yes. just do anything, you answer back at all to the referee that uh, they're going to book you? Because it, the fact that he's done it twice now, it, it, you just think, come on, get get your act together, come on. It's got, got no self-control. The referees came around to all the Premier League clubs before the season started and went through all the new rules. So being translated, he can't control himself. He's fiery. Mm. But one thing we'll say, once he gets booked, he doesn't go over the edge. Because I say one red card in two seasons for two bookings, so he knows when to stop. Well, he's been a bit lucky on a couple of occasions. He doesn't, <laughs> yeah, you know, he's a bit... Yeah, kick and that, died. Yeah. yeah. Again, All right, again, can we just move... Can, sorry, Dan, go on. No, I was going to say, just he's, he's, it might take a month, six weeks, his new rules to sort of finally sink in because you can't really change your whole outlook because we're only two games in, so we might find after game six he's calmed down a bit and he's suddenly realised, oh, shit, you know, I best come out. So. Yeah. Let's hope so. Um, let, let's just move this on a touch before we talk about FanDuel. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not known for my, my love of a certain, uh, a certain Spanish individual, namely Ches Fabregas, but... You know, credit where credit is due, because I think you know. To be fair to to Chess, he's probably been under quite a lot of pressure for the last couple of weeks. You know, Conte made it pretty clear he wasn't going to make his starting eleven. I suspect that behind the scenes, he kind of mistrusts his ability to tackle, defend, run, have the energy that Conte likes in midfield. But you know, for seventy minutes, we looked like we, you know, we couldn't we couldn't pass water, and that we would never score a goal if we actually played for two thousand minutes. Uh, and the minute that Fabregas came on, admittedly with the other subs too, uh, he started pulling all the strings, I think. And that pass that he played to Costa for uh, the winner was absolutely sublime, wasn't it, Marco? Yeah, it was. And, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd just take issue with uh, Jonathan's comments earlier about um, surprising the opposition. I think the problem is, you know, Watford surprised us and took the lead. And to be honest with you, until he rolled the dice with... Um, what was it, about 10 minutes left of normal time, we, we, we 
hadn't created anything. I think we'd had one shot on target. So yeah, I don't understand, Marco. I'm agreeing with you. How, why are you taking issue? That's oh, I, see. I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought I thought you were saying we should carry on the way we are. And uh, no, yeah, yeah, no, I am saying that. But I just think I, we didn't in that game against Watford. We didn't press the same way we had against West Ham. We didn't have the same energy. And the dilemma with playing um, uh, uh, Ivanovic practically as a winger is there's all enormous space at the back, and that's how the goal evolved. No, I'm, I'm just saying. I, I'm, all I was saying was I don't think I don't think that four four two works for the from the beginning of the game. I know we're looking for an alternative, but I just don't think it does. I think it works when they come on, and I thought Fabregas was wonderful uh, when he came on. So, and in essence, we are saying the same thing. And, and before you, you bang on a minute, before you all get Sorry. very excited, it's all right. I don't mind a bit of excitement and passion. I love a bit of that. Um, but we are going to really, really address this whole issue of the midfield, which is what I think we're all beginning to touch on, particularly with the role of Fabregas. We're going to really do that to death in part two. So I, I really just wanted to kind of get it on record quickly for all of the people who give me grief on here and on Twitter about my my uh, dissing of Fabregas to say that actually fair play. You know, he wears a magic hat. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. Anyway, of other other things of great import, uh, which I think we need to uh, to share with the the nation, is first of all uh, that Mazzari looks like Alec Baldwin, Jonathan. Don't you think? Very much so. I expect him to be doing that um, that uh, BT commercial actually at the I, end. Of well, it. I was waiting for his dramatic delivery on the touchline, but it didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. Except he doesn't speak English. That would be why then. Although Baldwin speaks a very passable Italian in that BT advert. Yes, he does. He has a go, doesn't he? Yeah, I was surprised that they both, um, they were seen, uh, him and Conti, uh, shaking hands and tapping each other on the shoulder when apparently they'd had a uh, big falling out when um, Inter played uh, um, Juve. Napoli. Napoli, Napoli. Napoli. yeah. I remember now. Yeah, yeah Napoli. fair enough. Listen, talk, talking of Conte, chaps, and, and this this is definitely for Marco, um, what what did you think of Conte's cap, number one, and do you think we should get him a gate 17 one, mate? <laughs> I did like the way he slipped into a cagoule um, and cap <laughs> when it rained. A man for According to the BBC, he, according to the BBC, he's not used to rain because they don't get any in Italy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think he's he's... By some distance, the most stylish manager in in uh, the Premier League. I, I think Pep runs him um, a close second. Um, you know whether he's got a cagoule on and a cap, he still looks the bollocks, doesn't he? So he does, he does. I think that's a lovely way to round that off. Um, right, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about FanDuel in a sec. And I just remind you that afterwards, uh, in part two, we will be picking up on the game and talking about. Uh, the midfield conundrum, the outflanked again and being wide of the mark and all of that kind of malarkey. But um, if you've been listening to the show uh, since the beginning of this season, in fact, before, because we were on air before the beginning of the season, you'll know that we've been uh, partnering up with FanDuel, who uh, run what is a wonderful uh, fantasy football game where you can win a bit of money if you know your onions. Uh, and basically you, what happens is you select a team of Premier League players for a single round of fixtures uh, which means, of course, you're not locked in for the whole season like other fantasy football games. And you can play and watch and win money, as I said, if you're good enough, all in one day. And uh, you can play for free or you can put your own money on the line uh, for bigger payouts. Now, the other thing about FanDuel, which I like particularly, is it is designed by football fans just like us and it's powered by Optostats. Uh, so it's much more uh, it's about much more than the goals and the assists and the clean sheets. We, you know, they take into consideration every pass interception tackle clearance massive stuff now 
um, you get to spend 100 million quid and uh, I would urge you to sign up and I will tell you how to do so in a minute but more important we were all playing because basically the whole idea of this is that we all play every weekend for the game that they uh, they, they allow us into and hopefully a few of you lot out there will, will come and play too so it's kind of like a mini league within the league and I, I have the results in front of me I think I should do it in reverse order uh, this week um, there were 1,457 people playing the game at the weekend, which was the £10,000 fan favourite. And uh, bringing up the rear for the second, uh, the Sunderland of the Chelsea fancast team is Dan Levine, would you believe, who makes a living writing about football. Who'd have thunk it? Uh, he, he, he came in, actually, to be fair, 593, that's not too bad. That's kind of certainly top half. Anyway, he had 211 points. And he won no money. Uh, in fifth, uh, we have Jonathan Kidd. You haven't Hello. moved up at all, mate. But you did better this week. You got 580. You know, I, was, I was 400 so, points better off. Well, there you go. Well, you, you basically were 582nd and you had 211.75 points. So you, you picked Dan beat, by 0.75. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, I, was almost, I almost got up to you, Chid. You're next. We. Yeah, you've dropped down a place because, of course, in fourth place uh, is Stanford Chidge, which would be me. And uh, I was 475th overall with 217 points, and uh, I won a tenner. Uh, and anyway, uh, actually, the interesting thing is there's not a lot of difference between the points, uh, you know, and yet, and yet there's, there's 300 uh, places between me in fourth and Marco in third, who came in at 175th with 236 points, and he also won a tenner. So well done, Marco. Uh, Ross, who uh, I think, judging by the amount of emails he sends me every week on this, not to mention the blog he wrote last Friday, is taking this way too seriously. Uh, and he, uh, in, in, in our little mini-league, is second. Uh, he goes uh, 107th with 243 points, and he's won 15 quid. But this week's Chelsea Fancast classic winner of the Fan Duel Fantasy League is Dan Silver, who was 65th, 65th out of 1,457, with 251.25 uh, points, and he won 20 quid. I think round of applause for Dan here, boys. <laughs> Fantastic stuff, mate. Dan, congratulations, and what is Thank the you, secret mate. to your success? Uh, Aguero and Hazard, I think. Yeah, well, and I had Aguero and Hazard, and I came yeah. fifth, fourth even. I, my defence was quite strong. Um, I, 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 I just pick the team. The boys do the rest. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Now, Marco, I know on the quiet you take. Line. Sorry, say that again, Marco. I was like, was he shouting on the touchline? I was shouting for my Every sofa. Kick. Pass it, shoot. Every kick. So, I mean, the bottom line is, is that you know, I think you two boys did quite well this week. Ross has done very well as well, and and, and Jonathan and I are struggling a bit. If, if the no, no, I was happy, Chid. I was happy. I was four hundred points better. Next week, I'll be right up there. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, Marco, uh, you know, I know you love a bit of this. So, I mean, any any good tips you've got? Um, I, th I think what you need to do is not not go for the obvious choices because they don't necessarily score. Um, as many points as you think they might. So, so for example, um, like players, like holding midfield players, score a lot of points in this, which they don't in the traditional fantasy Premier League game. So, like Kante and 
you know, Joe Allen, players like that, who you'd never think of having in your, your fantasy Premier League team because they never score any points. Um, they, they they can score quite highly in this because they, they, they give points for tackles and blocks and stuff like that. I think that's very, very true, mate. And, and, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. And, 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 you know, this week I went very patriotically, of course, uh, with, uh, with you know, four Chelsea players because I picked Terry, Kante, Hazard and Costa. Uh, and Costa was, like, malingering on, on about 1.75 points for most of the game until he scored and then he went up to about 23. Uh, but Terry did well, I thought, and, and Kante and Hazard. But... Uh, you know the other you just have to look around and see you know i mean here's an here's an interesting thing i had a kind of a weird little game i might do it this week actually for my picks depending on who's playing more of which in a minute but I, there's an entire team you can have of former chelsea players and oh, if really? you kind of like stick yeah if you stick to kind of marco's theory about not picking the obvious ones i'm going to read this out to you these are former chelsea players all playing in the premier league right check Hooth, Van Aanholt, who scored and did pretty well actually, uh, Bertrand, who's injured, Jack Cork, who was one of the top scoring midfielders, by the way, Mata, Aki, Romeu, De Bruyne, Lukaku, Sturridge, Torre, Barini, Sinclair. You could get a decent uh, fantasy team out of that, and I might just do that for shits and giggles this week, so how about that? Right, uh, we, I had, we should um, move on. I, I, had, I had Lee Chong Young, I just wanted to one say. One of you, uh, Jonathan first, then Marco. I had Lee Chung Yong, and I just thought that was uh, he was going to do very well for me. Okay. And Dilla Fui, as I don't know how. Dilla uh, Fui. Yeah, I thought I'd done pretty well with with doing exactly what Marco said. There's nobody there particularly uh, well known, and yet I, I fell foul of that. So I think you need a mixture, don't you, Marco? You need a mixture. Yeah. You need, you need the odd the odd one who's uh, who's the star, and the rest who are kind of. Um, foot soldiers and then you'd be all right i think right okay kids time to plug this week's uh game uh, and before i do that actually if you know those of you who are listening tweet me uh, email me let me know if you've entered the fantasy uh, you know the fan fantasy game and uh, tell me how you did because i mean there's so many entries it's impossible to figure out who you are so it'd be lovely if you could post on mixler or twitter or email me and let me know how you're doing i'm particularly uh, intrigued to know if you managed to do better than dan uh, or ross and mark uh, I don't doubt for one minute that you've done better than me, Jonathan and Dan Levine. But there you go. Now, uh, the competition that we're entering this week is the £7,500 fan favourite contest. Uh, it's £5 to enter. Uh, there are £7,500 in total prizes, 750 quid to the first placed person, the winner. Uh, 401 of the top managers will win cash. So, uh, I w- for, for example, th- uh, if, if it was this week, at 475th, I would not have won any money. So it's a bit tougher this week. Uh, and, of course, it covers the seven Saturday fixtures, which will, of course, include Chelsea Burnley. Uh, it kicks off at 3pm, so you've got until 3pm on Saturday to pick your team. It won't include the 12.30 fixture. So it's the, it's the seven fixtures, I presume, however many there are, kicking off at three plus the one and a half five. Now, if you sign up with the promo code CHELSEAFAN, uh, FanDuel will refund your entry fee if you don't win cash in your first contest. So that £5 entry fan favourite that we've all entered, use that offer and enter your team against ours. If you don't win cash, you'll get that entry fee refunded. So go to fanduel.co.uk, that's spelled F-A-N-D-U-E-L, and enter our promo code Chelsea fan to bag the offer. Now, you must be 18 or over to enter and based in the UK, please play responsibly just like we do now 
as I said a minute ago, after the break, we're going to take a look at Chelsea's midfield conundrum, why being outflanked is still very much a problem for the defence, and why our wingers are so often wide of the mark. Plus, Jonathan? Classic football shirts. There we go, he said it. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. I am Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And tonight I've got a great lineup tonight. There is no need for emergency substitutes on 70 Minutes or uh, or Fabregas or Batshuayi because I've got. It almost makes me feel like a song, Marco. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim shrew. We don't need Batshuayi because we've got Mark Worrell. Doesn't quite scan, but the, the sentiment is true. <laughs> Good to have Mark, who can't speak because he's laughing so much. We've got Mark in the house. We've got laughing. the lovely. You what, mate? I was just saying, I'm still laughing at Johnny Evans. <laughs> People have been laughing at Johnny Evans for years, mate. Uh, we've also got the wonderful Dan Silver in the house tonight. Dan, how hello, are you? Hello, hello. Very good, very good. Lovely. As I should say, Dan, the winner of the FanDuel uh, Fantasy Football Competition from last weekend. And uh, last but by no means least, we've got the, uh, the, the, the classically trained actor, Jonathan Kidd. Classically, darling. Classically. Classically, can, darling. Can I ask a question? All right, um, what was that yes, chance at the very end of the uh, of the game, um, just after uh, Costa had scored, which went something like da 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 da, and I couldn't make it out on the. Not the uh, Antonio Conte uh, so, makes it better. Uh, say it again. What, what was that? What Mark Agger? Whoa, 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 whoa! One of you, Marco. Would you say? Oh. Hello. Hello. What the Antonio Conte song? I think it's, I think he means that one. Antonio Conte makes it better, makes me happy, makes me feel this way. That one, isn't it? Oh, was it that? I didn't sound like that one. No. Everybody's oh, okay. been digging it out all week. There's been a whole argument on Twitter all week about us nicking other people's songs. People forgetting that everybody nicks everybody's songs. And basically, the miserable old gits, most of whom I love and, and tweet with most of the week, are not happy about the new Antonio Conte song. Although I believe that the lovely uh, Rory from the Chelsea Fans channel uh, is a great fan and was taking videos of it. Mate, I don't care. Make a bloody noise. That's all that matters. Now, last, but by no means least, Dan, we've got you. Jonathan, we've got you. Mark Worrell, we've got you. We should talk about the football. Um, and we have to talk about this midfield conundrum. I just think it's really interesting, you know. And Jonathan and Marco certainly alluded to this in part one. But there seems to be some sort of a conundrum, the way I see it, which is if you don't play Fabregas and you play Matic and Kante with Oscar in the forward role, there's a lack of creativity. And I think maybe this is down to Costa's, uh, sorry, Oscar's inconsistency. But you know, if you if you do play with Fabregas, there's a sense, I think. And I think I, I've often felt this, and I'm wondering if Conte feels the same thing, but there's a lack of uh, mobility and energy and, and, frankly, defensive cover when you play him. So it kind of looks to me, the conundrum that uh, Conte faces is, I don't I think he's going to keep playing Matic and Kante, 
but I think it's who does he pick? Is it Oscar or Fabregas? Who would like to take first? And Dan looks ready and willing. Dan, yeah, I'm ready. You think about I, I mean, I guess the argument is if you have Matic, Kante, and Fabregas, and you have two attacking midfielders behind Costa, when he's got a bit more freedom, he's got Matic and Kante to protect him, he keeps slotted into that role. So you have like you know, Kante, Matic sitting, Fabregas is a free role, Hazard, and one of you know the front three players with Costa, then then he fits in, but. Current formation, no, because he's, he's a liability because of his, you know, his shortcomings. No, I don't think there's a better pass in the team than Fabregas, but you have to compensate with the other players around him. So in a sort of four-four-two-three-one formation or something like that. Well, that's Seems kind of we've done that. And I, yeah, but and, you know, that's the only way to fit him in, isn't it? Well, no, he, Fabregas, I, like Christmas tree formation, I think. You know, so you've got two sit midfielders, then you've got Fabregas, then you've got the two wingers slightly advanced, and you've got Costa at the top of the tree. But I think that's the thing, Dan. I I, I don't see him, um, you know, dropping Kante or Matic. Uh, they both bring that physicality and energy that he likes. I, I, for me, it's a question of Oscar's in there because he's, you know, he, he's quite tigerish in the tackle, as we know, and he's got defensive di- discipline, but he's also supposed to be a, a creator. And, you know, for 70 minutes, he pretty much failed to do that. And I think the other issue to do with that is that whilst Matic, you know, does a good job kind of, if you like, slightly in front of Kante, because Kante, in a sense, is almost like a, you know, he's almost like a sweeper in a way. He operates just in front of the defence, picking the ball up from them and then snuffing out any trouble in the middle, where Matic has a more of a licence to go forward and actually press higher, press their midfield and win the ball back off them, and I think he does that quite well. But, you know, he can't create for Toffee either. So we, it just—I think for 70 minutes it looked like that—that that we were bereft of creative ideas or anybody who could put a decent pass through, which of course is what Fabregas did. So, you know, it's difficult, isn't it, Jonathan? Well, the problem is, Chidge, is we, we played—I thought we played very much like last year—and um, and that's the, the dilemma. Is it's the same team as last year, despite having Kanté in it, who I think who thinks fantastic, but Matic is still playing below the level that he played the, the season before. Um, and and as, as as we've been saying that, and, and Oscar is is once again hot and cold. All right, he's tackling more feverishly, which we know he can do more tigerishly. But he's not still not the creative force that we want him to be. He's still not playing as well as he's supposed to be. And I think this is this is one of the major problems. Is you know we finished tenth, and if he doesn't doesn't get them playing at an enormous tempo, he's essentially not. Is they're not a great bunch of players anymore. Um, uh, uh, and I just think he somehow got to get them. Well, we still, we still, we we still bossed the game, and that we had much more possession than Watford during that period. But it got slow again, and that's the way that I almost feel they're kind of default is they they want to play slowly, and he's got to somehow not get them doing this. This is why when he when all the other players came on, the the tempo just went up because because they're 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 playing at a at a, at a better pace. They, they you know they're all, whether they're trying to prove something, but Batshuayi clearly puts it about. He's, and Moses is playing. Moses, I think at the moment is a better. As I said, is a better player than Pedro. And Pedro, if William was playing, we may not have had the same problem actually, because William, I think, is um is is a class above Pedro. And Pedro, to me, has yet to convince. He's still not good enough for me. So I'm going to pick up. I'm going to pick up that point about Pedro Moses in a minute. But Marco, what what do you think generally about the Oscar v Fabregas, the man t- uh, matching the Cante thing, and also picking up on what Jonathan was saying? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, actually. If, if you look back to, not last season, the season before when Matic, um, you know, was the midfield destroyer, 
Um, I'm not entirely sure why he's no longer able to, you know, recycle the ball. I mean, he's, he's, he's okay in the tackle, but he just seems to have lost um, that sort of ability to distribute the ball um, forwards um, in the way he used to be able to do. And I, I just, I'm not sure if we'd be better served at the moment with um, Fabregas playing instead of Matic um, or for example um, you know I, looking at it, if, if Conte's got his head um, and heart set on playing Matic which he seems to have at the moment I, I would then, assuming he's fit, I'd, I'd just have Hazard and William either side of um, Fabregas in that advanced role and whoever's not suspended up front, up front so you would. you would you would basically play I, would, I, would, I wouldn't I wouldn't have four two three one again like last year. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think Pedro's good enough to play for Chelsea. I agree. I, I don't think I'm not convinced about Oscar. Um, you know, I, I looked at you know I watched the first seventy minutes um, against Watford. You know that was pretty lamentable stuff. Um, just in terms of, you know, there were no defence splitting passes, there was no creativity. Um, they suffered, their midfield suffocated ours. Um, there was no way through it. And eventually, you know, there was an, an error in defence and they scored, and that could have been the end of it. Um, you know, well, a, better, a better team that, I mean, you know, Watford basically well, this is it, camped you know, in their own. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, you've got that, you've got the two Manchester clubs. Um, you know, who clearly laid down the gauntlet uh, in terms of what they're going to be all about this season. I think, as have Liverpool and, and probably Arsenal, which means you know that, that that top four is is there for the taking, but not if we you know labour like we do, like we did um, for long periods of that game. So. You know what I would really like to see happen against Burnley on, because you know Burnley had twenty percent possession against Liverpool and won two nil. You know, so what are they going to do at Stamford Bridge? That they're just going to suffocate, try and suffocate Chelsea in in the way Watford did. Um, and if we haven't got a way through, if, you know, if we can find a way through Burnley in the first ten minutes, you could be looking at four or five nil. Um, but the longer you, you let a team like that sit back and, and soak it all up, the, the more frustrating it becomes. And, and I just think I'd love to see Conte say, you know what, let, let's let's give Fabregas a go from the start. Um, but here's we'll... the thing, Mark. Here's the thing. I mean, do, do you play? You know, you're saying play Fabregas instead of uh, Matic. Right. Well, so I, you'd I would have him playing either play. I would either play Fabregas instead of Matic, or play him in the number ten role. Um, you know, at the expense of uh, of Oscar, let's say. Yeah. And if Williams fit, then you know, William and Hazard on the flanks and and Costa up front. And you know, I think Kante, you know, is a, is an upgrade on what we've had before. Um, and, and a significant one just in terms of the, the protection he affords the defence and what he offers in general. Um, and, and I think we would make better use of that with, 
you know, with somebody like Fabregas in the side from yeah, the well, game. I, th- I think, I think, just, it's, it's, I think, I'd like sorry, to mate, go on. No, I'm just saying, I would like to see it happen, um, just, to, just to see what we do against a side like Burnley, who are going to be an absolute nightmare to try and break down in, in the way, you know, Liverpool can 80% possession. I mean, it's ludicrous. They lose 2-0. Um, well, I, I can't, I, I'm inclined to agree with you, but I, I do think that, you know, what worries me is if, if you... If you play Fabregas instead of Matic, then we're, we're no we're no better off. In, in, I, mean, I know Kante's a good player and everything, but I think he he will be exposed by Fabregas's lack of defensive discipline. And I think well, if you play Matic, hang on, hang on a minute. If you play Sorry. Matic and Kante, and you replace Fabregas with Oscar, then you're going to get more creativity, but you're not going to lose any of your defensive solidity. If you if you take the point that Kante kind of mops up everything in our half, and Matic is allowed to press their midfield and I, I think defensively would still be quite solid by doing that yeah no no I, yeah I agree yeah. Um, Jonathan let's let's move this on a bit because I, I think you quite rightly you know had a, had a bash at old Pedro who who we decided was a, 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 a comedic Spaniard in the in the kind of guise of Manuel <laughs> last week and in fact as I proved I tweeted the picture during the game that he indo- he does in fact look like a young Eli Wallach um, and I now that he's grown that, that moustache, Eli... I think, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I have a suspicion that Eli Wallach is a far better footballer, frankly. And, uh, you know, when Moses came, I mean, number one, I think we missed William. And I think had William been fit, then Pedro wouldn't have got near starting. But given that William wasn't fit, I, and, and seeing how well Moses did when he came on, Jonathan, I'm, it begs the question, why did he start Pedro and, 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 not, um, and not Moses? And before, before you answer that, I, I, I would say in mitigation... I do think that the, the problem that Kante, uh, the problem that Conte has at the moment, is that he's kind of still feeling out who his best team is, and I suspect he sees some things on the training pitch, and he thinks, "Oh, great, well I'll play them," and then of course they play and they're absolute shit. So I think he's in that kind of period where he's still learning a bit. But that having been said, what, why Pedro and not Moses, Jonathan? But that's exactly what I was about to say. I think perhaps he he impresses as being a bit more skillful in um, in training. Uh, um, Moses seems to go more in sort of direct lines, doesn't he? He 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 plays wide and he runs he runs straight at people and then tries to get the cross in. Whereas Pedro just always seems to be wandering across the middle of the pitch and then falling over or being brushed off the ball. Um, and he's done that ever since he's played for Chelsea. He's 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 sort of he's he's flattered to to deceive, hasn't he? He scores a decent goal, scores a couple of goals, and the next the next time he's he's lightweight. Um, uh, once again, we're getting back to the same thing. Of, of, of it, 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 for me, it was a strange purchase when we did buy him, and uh, he's 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 never improved. Um, and in a team that wasn't playing very well, he, you you just saw all his deficiencies. And at the moment, I'm I'm still not seeing any improvement. You would hope that he would improve. Perhaps he's he's a bit quicker. It's, it's as I said before the. The, we didn't didn't play the pressing game as much against Watford, and consequently, um, I think Watford spent a lot of their time preventing us from doing that. But uh, um, perhaps he fits in more with um, with that view of uh, Conti's view. Um, but I, 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 I mean, like Marco, I, uh, he's not a Chelsea player. I agree completely. But I, I will go back to what I've said before in the past: is I, I think lots of them are Chelsea players. Uh, if we were going to go down that view. Um, the 2008 view that Kenyon had, it was, I've repeated this and I'll say it again, that every player in the team should be world class. And we then somehow then bought a lot of tippy-tappy players 
um, because I think Abramovich was trying to emulate the kind of Barcelona team as, as opposed to the team that he then had in 2008, which was a, a mixture of everybody, which is the way we should have carried on going. Um, but uh, <coughs> my, my fear is this one of um, that the, he somehow, as you say, Chid, he hasn't quite worked out who what the combination is. And uh, this is why I think he's it might my I'm bemused as to why we haven't had any transfer activity. Um, well, we're going to get on to that. Hopefully, hopefully we're going to get onto that in a minute. I just want to add yeah. something to that, though, boys, that, that kind of relates to what you were saying, because, you know, uh, well, first of all, uh, talking about Pedro and our wingers in general, um, their Watford's goal, you know, cr- clinically exposed uh, the problem that we had last year, which is when teams attack us down the flank. Uh, you know, a lot of the players, and I'm Pedro was the one on Saturday, don't have that defensive discipline to track the runner. And Kapui was just in acres of space. But here's the rub. It's not just about being attacked down the flanks and being exposed therein. I think we also have a problem with playing against teams who are going to play with two strikers. Because when they play with two strikers, they put a lot more pressure on Terry and Cahill, who get pulled out of position, Aspie comes in or Branner comes in to help them out, and that leaves the gap which Pedro hasn't tracked back. So I think it's it, and I just wonder if you know Dan, you know, if people are watching that, they found another way to kind of you know have a go at Chelsea, if you like, Dan. Yeah, I mean, a right side defence has been a problem for a long time. I mean, even even in the um, the pre-season game, I saw. There was no protection for Brano or Ayla, and we were getting literally torn apart. We had three goals come down our right side. Yeah, Part of the problem is Cahill because he's he's he backs off, doesn't attack the ball. I don't think it's great protection to full back because he doesn't he doesn't draw himself out to cover. And also, as we alluded to, we've got no protection from the uh, the attacking midfielders. I mean, the, the well, ball actually, came you know, across- talk, talk, talking of the wingers, uh, Dan, I think it's just as. It, it, you know, we, for 70 minutes, I know we, we kind of pinned it all on poor old Oscar, but I think you have to really front up and be honest about this, that, uh, you know, our wide players seem very, very reluctant to, to cross. They kind of prefer the, you know, the, the high percentage short pass inside to feet, you know. And then poor old Costa was, was absolutely isolated for a lot of that game. I mean, it was no surprise to me that we had one shot in the first half. I mean, that's... Again, very redolent of, of last... I mean, it's really interesting, I think, that the negative aspects of that, that performance were very redolent of the problems that we had both up front in not being creative or penetrative enough and also being exposed on the flanks and, and sometimes central defence, Marco. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really is... It is a, a, a conundrum um, that, you know, I, I, I just found the whole situation unfathomable in a groundhog day way that it was sort of you know having been there since april um it was kind of like as you were with with that back line and all the attendant problems um and it, you know it doesn't matter who's shielding um the the, the defense um and how the ball's distributed out uh, you know it, it, if players are still going to allow themselves to, you know, be drawn wide or drop off um, because that's what they they do, then it's a problem that's never going to go away. And, you know, I really don't know what's going to happen in this last week of, of the transfer window. You know, Koulibaly, I mean, 
no, nobody had heard of this fella um, when, when um, you know, everybody was talking about Bonucci potentially coming. Now, now there's, I mean, Cellini, that's just never going to happen in a month of Sunday. Also, also known as Dan Silver, Mark. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Cellini is a dead ringer for Dan Silver, it has to be said. I, I, I just I find it strange, and to be honest with you, um, I, I, I hope Aina play, I'm sure he will play tomorrow, and it's only Bristol Rovers, and that, that whole you know, play the youth thing will bubble up again. But um, I would, I thought he did enough um, in those games uh, in pre-season to warrant a start. I know, I know he got exposed in the game against Madrid, but um, I, st- I just still think he offers the kind of mobility that, you know, we lack with, without Zuma in that back line, and obviously he's got to come back. And I just think, you know, that pace that he's got, um, probably. Who's this? Ola. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I just think, you know, for me, Ivanovic, you know, he, he was playing so far forwards in that game, um, which is fine, but, you know, he's just lost. As, as a defender for me, um, I mean, he doesn't have the pace to get back when he's that high, that high up the pitch, and I think that's a big problem. I mean, it, yeah. it, Marco, it's really interesting you talking about uh, Bali, who I can't remember where he played before he got transferred out to wherever he's playing now. I think it's Napoli, isn't it? But they sold; he was sold to Napoli for seven million quid, and now they want sixty off him. And it, and and it, you know, we've touched on this actually a lot in this part about what's going to happen in this last week because clearly we're concerned that not enough has changed to rectify. The, the glaring problems that we had last year, and and I just wonder if if we if we're getting a bit Arsenal and coming up short in some of these transfer dealings. I thought I thought Conte was fascinating in 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 terms of the fact that he was clearly under heavy manners when he was saying, you know, that we're basically we're not going to get mugged off uh, by people like Napoli for paying sixty million quid for Koulibaly. And then as you said, Marco, the next minute you hear that we're going to pay a hundred million quid for Chiellini and James. Or James, should I say? Uh, and Chiellini, good player that he is, he's old and slow. Well, it's, it's, it, I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sense of the scattergun and the panic about it at the moment. Do you not think? Well, I do. But a, the deal with Chiellini won't happen. Um, no. Paying, paying sixty million for James just because we we've been snubbed on Lukaku is is as ridiculous as paying sixty million for Lukaku. You know what Chelsea yeah. are doing. Um, these are vanity purchases that fail to address um, what the requirements are. We need a solid centre back, um, a decent uh, full back, I mean, and a decent striker. What's, well, the, what's, the, what's the betting? We keep Remy. What's the betting? What's the betting? Remy? He's gone, we mate. We has he gone? Yeah. He's on his way to Leon, I think. No, he's gone. Oh, I've taken it all back. Sorry. Right. Well, I mean, he's only, only got two strikers. Perhaps Bamford gets a go. But, well, well, he's gone too. But, I mean, Bamford this, this gone? Is exactly, oh, God, I'm so behind this is, this everything. Is, Sorry. This is exactly Sorry. Mark's point, Jonathan, is that, you know, we're, we're very exposed up front if you've only got Costa and uh, Batshuayi. Because yeah. we know Costa will either get a few game bans. Yeah, no, completely. And, and I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just reiterating yeah. it. I think it's bizarre. But on, on, on the other hand, chaps, uh, you know, talking of people that we definitely aren't getting, it looks like Lukaku's 
definitely not coming to us. I think we can all breathe a heavy sigh of relief there. But I've also heard a rumour about, about Mandzukic, Dan. Yeah, I saw that as well. I mean, it, it just, it just he's not the answer, is he? He's short term. I think he's 30. It just smacks complete and utter incompetence. I mean, they have not learned by last year's mistakes. We should have had our business done and dusted like United. United yeah. have gone in. They've made a massive yeah. statement with the players they've signed. They're ready. They fit. Yes, they won two games, but they've been a lot more convincing than us. We should have got this sorted out well, well before the start of the season and maybe one last-minute purchase if we had an injury. Conte would have had his targets and we're, we've left with, yes, two good signings, but squad is woefully unbalanced and woefully short to make a sustained challenge. And I, As, wonder, I, wonder, how, I wonder how long Conte... I mean, for me, I mean, Marco, I, I would imagine with his journalistic ear to the ground on this... I think this is going to be a very interesting narrative going forward, which is how long will Conte, the manager, put up with the bullshit from the board and they're, you know, basically not getting him what he wants, you know, because he's got a track record of saying if they, if he doesn't get what he wants, he says, well, screw you. If you're not going to back me and, and get me what I want, I'm off. That'll be quite interesting to watch, won't it, Marco? Yeah, um, of course it will. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the, the infuriating thing is, I mean, you already mentioned, Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel... If you couldn't be there, and it's not on TV, oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live—it's <laughs> all too much. <laughs> I know, J.K. I know, it's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have. Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. You know, both Manchester clubs have new managers um, who obviously drew up a list of transfer targets. I mean, I guess City just buy everyone. We, we, but, but you know, United were a lot more focused. Jose asked for four key players and he got, he got all four, didn't he? Um, he did the same at Chelsea and that didn't quite work out last summer. Um, so, you know, I thought it was brilliant for Chelsea to announce Conte as manager when they did. That was at the beginning of April. Um, I thought it was great that we, we signed Kante. 
um, when we did and paid 30 million. I thought, wow, that's good. Batshuayi, I don't think anybody really knew anything about him until he, you know, he signed for Chelsea and then came off the bench and scored that goal for Belgium. But obviously, what what we've all seen so far, we're all thinking, yeah, we'd like to see this kid get a start. But but why why did it stop there? I, I you know I, I don't understand. Um, you know, we, we we kind of we we don't seem to be adept at where, where Chelsea seem to struggle is um, at the negotiating table. You know, a lot of these players they, they buy, you know, like Costa, it's like you meet the meet meet the um meet the trick the, the, the release clause release on clause, the contract yeah. and sort out personal terms and the deal's done. You know, that's easy. Coolibally there's no such thing. So um you know Napoli are just holding us over oh, the Laurentis is yeah, clearly the, mugging us off, mate. I mean, yeah, I think the sad thing, thing is, is off for Higuain for seventy-five million. I think, um, I think the sad thing, I think the sad thing is, just to wrap this up, is that, you know, we'll never know. I mean, we we just so not privy to. I mean, for all we know, they're doing a really good job and trying their best. But I, I think, I think, I mean, you know, Benny the Blue says we're being really gloomy. I don't think we're being gloomy. I just think it's frustrating when, you know, we've been watching football a long, long time, and we can see the same. Or, or, or see the errors from last season not being corrected, and, and I think more crucially, not seeing a really promising manager not uh, having the problems that, that he needs to address being addressed by by the board. So there we go, and I don't think we're getting a bit arse off doing that. Anyway, enough of that because we've got just about got time for this, Jonathan. It is what? It is uh, classic football shirts time. Off you go, my son. <laughs> you just, you've just disappeared, Jidge. You're no, back. I'm still here. Chelsea fan cast and classic football shirts. I say that was a goodie. Have come together to offer all football fans from in capital letters from around the world. You know world. why I did that? You know why I did why? that? Why? Because I've done a bit of an edit, Jonathan. Oh, Just well for done, you. Chidge. From around the world, a fantastic opportunity to win a fifty-pound voucher from. In blue and underlined, classic football shirts. Their stock includes a huge range of original football kits with leading brands such as Adidas, Nike and Puma, to name just a few. Whether it is new products with the tag still on, rare player issue items, whatever they are, or pre-owned classic shirts from the past, the site has something for any football fan they have kits dating back to the 1970s governor right through to this season's collections not off this competition is open to our listeners wherever you may be carefree so wherever <laughs> so whether you live in kensington or kenya you still have a great chance to win this fantastic fabulous prize it's easy to enter all you have to do is answer this question below here it comes how many times have chelsea won the premier league title we'll put the link up on twitter and facebook and if you're listening on acast you'll see the link on the player. It's that simple. The competition closes at midnight on the 31st of August 2016 and the winner will be announced soon after. The winner will receive an email from Classic Football Shirts to sort out the prize. As a thank you for entering, all entrants will also receive 
an exclusive discount to, to use at, wait for it, all together now, after three, one, two, three, classic, classic football, football shirts, shirt. classic football shirts, good luck. Marvellous stuff. Get on it, people. Uh, I have to say, it was one of the best yet, Jonathan, and I hope you appreciated the little rewrite I did after your critical comments last week. From! Now, I know. That, I don't know what happened with that. I think I just left my caps lock on. Now, after the break, uh, this is brilliant stuff. Excuse me. Shush. Uh, after the break, we have an interview with Hannah, who runs the Chelsea Ladies Fans website, and she's going to tell us all about her experiences following our very talented and successful ladies team. See you in a second. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, we've had great fun for the last hour or so with the uh, wonderful Mark Worrell. Hello. The uh, inestimable Jonathan Kidd. Hello. And the fine figure of a man that is Dan Cialini Silva. <laughs> Buonasera. <laughs> Buonasera, mi amigo. All right, as I was saying before the break, um, we had this uh, fantastic, or uh, well, I had a lovely chat with uh, this lovely girl called Hannah last week. And Hannah represents the uh, Chelsea ladies fans. And uh, it's coming up right now. Okay, uh, as you may or may not have noticed, we don't tend to talk too much about the Chelsea ladies team on the Chelsea fancast. And a certain lady, who uh, whose Twitter handle is Chelsea Ladies Fans, or if you prefer at CLFC Fans, direct messaged me on the Chelsea fancast, and she said, "Hi guys. Firstly, thanks for the follow back. Secondly, I was just wondering." if you ever had or would consider discussing Chelsea ladies on the podcast. If you ever wanted help with that, I'd be happy to do that. If you're ever at a Chelsea ladies game, be sure to let me know so I can introduce myself. Thanks again for a great podcast. Hannah. Well, of course, who am I to refuse such a lovely offer? So I got in touch with Hannah and said, well, why don't you come and you know, talk to me about the ladies team on the show? I think that would be a great idea. And goodness me, here she is. Hello, Hannah. Hi, I like that intro. That was a good one. Well, there we go. I did try hard just for you. How are you? Are you well? I'm very good, thank you. Very good. Excellent stuff. And uh, are you, I mean, just to talk about, you know, the men's team for a second, were you quite happy with the, uh, um, the, the you know, the game against West Ham last week? Oh, I'm so happy, especially because, you know, when West Ham scored, you thought it was going to be exactly like last year where we deserved to win and didn't. So to win was so good. And it felt amazing being there as well. Well, in t- exactly. I mean, we were pretty much saying the same kind of thing on the show actually last Monday, weren't we? We were re- we all felt that last year we might not have won that, and this year we did, and that was a really good sign. But anyway, we're not really here to talk about uh, you know the Chelsea eleven that uh, I I spend a lot of money going to every other week at Stamford Bridge. We're really here to talk about something which I, I'll be really honest honest with you, Hannah. We've we've really not done it a great service on, on the Chelsea fancast because we very rarely if ever talk seriously about the Chelsea ladies team and of course the Chelsea ladies team is something for which you have a huge passion for isn't it yeah I think 
obviously I'm a massive Chelsea fan, but following the ladies' team is a slightly different experience, but in the same sense, you know, they play with pride for the shirt and they're great players, so it's the same kind of thing for me. Yeah, so, I mean, I take it, I mean, how long have you been following the ladies' team? Because, I mean, I know, I know that it changed a bit, didn't it? Because, I mean, they've actually been going since 1992, which, of course, as everybody who watches Sky will know, is when football was invented. But, of course, they only became affiliated officially with Chelsea uh, in 2004. Isn't that right? Yeah. Um, before my time, really. But, um, yeah, it wasn't that long ago that they became properly part of the team. And they only became professional uh, this season. Really? So, so it's actually that changes, recent? Yeah, yeah and, and how? Recent. And how long have you been uh, f- been following? I mean, I'm presuming you, you, you do you go to every match. Yeah, yeah, every game, home and away. Um, and I've st- been sort of paying attention to the team probably since 2012, but it was sort of 2014-15 that I started, you know, going to every single game. Right, and you you can buy a season ticket for that, can you, home and away? Um, the season ticket, I think, is, you know. Fifteen pound or twenty pound for the season, wow. and then you know the away games are like five pound for an adult. Pretty much every team is very cheap to go. Yeah, to. I mean, I I noticed that uh, it's only five quid to go to a match, and of course they play them at uh, Wheatsheaf Park, which is Staines Town's uh, ground, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Staines. What's it like down there? Um, Stain with the with the Staines massive. <laughs> um, I quite like it as a ground actually because. You know, there's there's seats higher up, and most people stand. Um, you get a good atmosphere there, I think, because there are quite a few people that like to make noise, sort of spread out around the ground. So, h- how many people do we get in then for a, for a home match? Um, about fifteen hundred. But I mean, when we won the league at home last year, we nearly sold out the whole place, which was nearly three thousand people. So, so it really depends not... on who's visiting. Yeah, of course. You know, like like it does actually really in a, for for a lot of clubs. I mean, the interesting thing about that is a lot of people will think, "Oh, that's not many," you know, because of course they're used to forty two thousand in Chelsea. But the reality is, I would suspect that's that that does pretty well if one compares it kind of like with like, which would be the other ladies' teams in that league, right? Yeah, we're pretty much um, on par with the highest attendances average, definitely. I mean, Man City yeah. get quite a lot of people. Uh, don't want to talk about them too much, but yeah, we're pretty high compared to most teams. Mm, that's good. And what's what's the away? I mean, do you take many away? Um, there's a small group of us that like to go everywhere. It's not too many, but usually, you know, because Chelsea's such a big club, we end up going to Sunderland and find Chelsea fans who live in Sunderland who will end up coming to the game. That kind of thing. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, a bit a bit like it is here uh, with the men's team, but of course, mm. you know, it's a lot harder to get tickets, I would imagine. So I would imagine it's not as much of a problem to get tickets if you want to go and follow the ladies' team. Yeah, I've never um, pre-booked a Chelsea ladies' ticket. I always turn up on the day. I've never had an issue with that, besides mm. the FA Cup final when it was obviously specified seating, but you don't normally get that. And, uh, you know, what's the atmosphere like? Is it, I mean, is it, I mean, I would imagine it's very hard to compare the atmosphere for the ladies' team to the men's team because, of course, it, it's so different. I mean, you know, you've got, you've got all of that kind of history and mm. culture going to Stamford Bridge and 40,000 people. It must, I would imagine it would be very different. I mean, I mean how different is it? Um, it's massively different, you know, because everyone is a really friendly atmosphere, family-friendly atmosphere. There's a lot of kids, and you especially, you can 
end up chatting to fans of other teams because there's not that many people that will travel around for their teams. So I've made quite a few friends like that. And also, um, but I think recently quite a lot of people have tried to bring in more of the competitive atmosphere. Like there's quite a few teams that will, you know, chant and sing and make a lot of noise and get quite competitive with it. But it's very, like, friendly. Definitely. Right, okay, so it's like, I hate the word, but it's a bit like friendly banter rather than vitriol. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely, you know, everyone gets competitive, but I don't think it ever gets, you know, abusive or angry, things like that. Do you think that's because it's, it, I mean, you know, forgive me for saying this, but I, I would imagine that a lot of the support for the team is from, from women and ladies and girls, isn't it? It's Yeah? Or is yeah, that just yeah, a I typical male assumption? Yeah, there's definitely a lot more of that in women's football. So it's more genteel? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, more ladylike. I think that's a good thing. I mean, in, in a sense, it's kind of almost like a, a nice uh, introduction to football, really, if you're a kid or you're a family, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of the fans are, you know, families who want their kids to get into football, but they don't necessarily want, you know, all the shouting and swearing that you'll get at men's games. And it can be quite intimidating, I imagine, if you're a small child. So it's definitely a sort of good place to take kids. Or or a woman, in fact. I mean, I know a lot of I know a lot of women who who go, and I know a lot of them have been going for a long, long time. And um, I mean, they're they're quite. Let's put it this way: they're quite robust. But you know, I've had a beer with them once, twice, and they said, you know, yeah, you know, as a woman, it was pretty intimidating going back in the day. So I can I can understand that. Um, now, before we actually talk about the team itself, I'm going to kind of go off in a slightly different direction because let's talk about your. Uh, your wonderful website, which is, uh, I think it's what, is it clfcfans.co.uk? Yeah, and that's that it. kind of goes hand in hand with your Twitter account, which, is, as I've already mm-hmm. said, is at clfcfans, isn't it? So tell me about the yeah. website. What, what, what was the idea behind getting that sorted? So originally I made the Twitter account at the start of the 2015 season, just because at the time I felt like the club's sort of official channels you know, they'd go weeks without tweeting. They wouldn't necessarily tweet about games. Um, I didn't feel like they were doing a very good job, you know, letting fans try and follow the team. So I started that as a way to sort of put all the news out there in one place so people could find it. And the website just sort of came from that because the match reports were very simple. There wasn't much detail in it. So I started writing some of them and also keeping track of statistics because I know that's something I'm really interested in is always looking at that kind of stuff and there wasn't really anywhere that did that so I like keep track of them so you can look at them just putting everything in one place really so if anyone wanted to find out about the team it'd be easier for them mm, well that's really good I mean I did I, I mean it's a great little site actually it does exactly you know what what you need it to do I think if you if you you know if you're if you're a Chelsea ladies supporter and, and you know you are a bit brassed off with the club's website although I have to say I did you know, I did look at uh, you know part of my research, Hannah, before I spoke to you. I did have a look at their website, and I thought actually it was it was quite in depth and detailed about the ladies' team. It's actually massively improved. That's why I don't do as many match reports now. It's improved massively since um, since last season. So that's that's good. Hmm. Okay. Well, look. You know, uh, I think that's fantastic, and well done for you for doing such a great website. I would say there is one very important mission on your website, though, Hannah. Um, oh, yeah. and, and that is that yes, that is that Chelsea fancasts are not featured in the links. Uh, that will definitely be updated. That's very kind of you. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is actually, I mean, because I mean, uh, there are people who are yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest that know that 
uh, the Chelsea Fancast website is almost unique amongst websites in the fact that it almost deliberately tries not to put content up there. You see, we kind of we kind we kind of use the reverse psychology method. But I'm actually my my uh, uh, you know my aim this season is to put far more blogs up there. So if you're ever interested in writing a little bit, you know, about the ladies that you know to cross over into what we're doing, you're you're most welcome if you ever want to. I'm sure we can talk about that another time. But the offer's open. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the uh, the actual team itself. Um, I mean, they had a really good year, didn't they, last year? Because of course, in 2015, they they won the double. They won the uh, the women's Super League and they won the the women's FA Cup, which was fantastic because it meant a day out of Wembley. I I presume you were at Wembley. Yes, I was. It was amazing because I've never sort of obviously seen Chelsea ladies get play in a crowd anywhere near that big, and it was just amazing to see them at Wembley because I've seen Chelsea at men at Wembley so many times. And also because we'd never won a major trophy before, that made the FA Cup so special. Yeah, the first one's always the best one, isn't it? Um, mm. h- how many people did they have there? I think it was about 30,000. I know that's this pretty... year we got 32,000 again. Um, that's, that's, that's a lot, isn't it, actually? That's, that's, pretty good. that's a pretty good turnout, yeah. actually. Um, I would imagine it was evenly split, was it? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Mm, good stuff. Now, of course, we won... The first uh, in 2015, but sadly we lost this year against Arsenal ladies, didn't we? Yeah, I think that was one of the worst games I've ever seen us play. Everyone sort of shut down, didn't know what they were doing. And it was really horrible to see, actually, because we'd won every single game up until then. And I think the pressure just got to them a bit. Mm. And of course, I mean, I, I mean, I remember, you know, for years, in fact, that... Uh, uh, you know, when when ladies football was really struggling to get any sort of uh, you know awareness uh, at all within football, the only you know team that ever anybody ever had really heard of was Arsenal Ladies. They were they were seen as the team. So I'd, I would imagine that the rivalry between the Chelsea Ladies and the Arsenal Ladies is as, is, is as intense as the rivalry between supporters and uh, the, the men's teams have become. Would that be right? Uh, yeah, I completely agree. It's absolutely massive, especially because, like you said, up until sort of 2012, 2013, Arsenal would beat us every single game. But, you know, the last few years, we've I think we've beat them more than they've beat us, to be honest. And I think we're now seen as perhaps the bigger club. And so, obviously, it meant a lot for Arsenal to win against us. But there's a massive mm. rivalry. Massive. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. I mean, I mean, how are we doing this year? Are we uh, Are we doing well in the league? At the minute, we're second. I think we won all of our games, like I said, up till the FA Cup, and then we lost against Man City and Arsenal, so we're sort of paying the price for that. But we look, as long as we don't completely capitulate, we'll end up second and we'll get Champions League. It'll be really difficult to catch Man City, but you never know. So we're, 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 four, we're four, point, four points behind them, aren't we, at the moment? Yeah, fact is, I think we have, I think we're seven, but with a game in hand, something like right. that. Right, okay. Pictures so, have been very strange. None of us ever seem to have played the same amount of games, so it's hard. To that's tell a bit them. weird. How, how how does that work then? Oh, the fixtures have been something that every fan of every team has been complaining about. They're just sort of all over the place. You'll have two games in a week and then two weeks off, and like I think Doncaster played about seven games, and everyone else has played twelve or something ridiculous. And I mean, we travelled to Sunderland on Wednesday away, Wednesday evening, Sunderland away. Everything you can think of to be wrong with them has been wrong, so it's been a bit of a struggle. 
Uh, well, we're, we're all very familiar. I mean, anybody who follows Chelsea, whatever gender they are, will be familiar at the uh, the uh, you know the disorganisation and the annoyance and frustration about uh, ticketing and times and travel. It's kind of ubiquitous in football, really, isn't it? Um, now we've got. I mean, one of the. I mean, you know, I think. I think certainly. I, you know, put it this way: if if even I know a few of the, the the Chelsea lady footballers, then you you know that it's beginning to get into the conscious into a wider consciousness than it has been before. And I think there are, are quite a. I mean, actually, an interesting point at the um, at the uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust quiz uh, last weekend. They do a they do a round with, with pictures, and you have to identify. Um, who they are, who the, you know, who the players in the pictures are, and I do remember that this year they had Fran Kirby, and I knew who that was, and the year before in in, in the quiz they had Eni uh, Aluku, and I and I knew who that was. So it tells you that it is actually beginning to break through, I think. But um, are, are Fran and Eni probably the best players, or is is, is Ji So Yun, you know, is she taken the mantle now of the star player? Do you think? I think Fran is definitely. Um, you know, our star player. She's been injured recently, and you yeah. can tell that's when we started losing games. Is We're still playing really well, but we struggle to score when she's not on the pitch. I think G is probably... She's technically our best player, and um, she just needs to, you know, show up in the big games a bit more. But uh, she's an excellent player to watch. I, I think... And this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, because, you know, you know, sad old gits like me get a bit kind of funny about ladies football you know well it's not a lot of men's is it well of course it is because you see they're ladies and the men are the men you know so of course it's going to be different but I, I actually I watched uh, the semi-final last year against Man City and I was yeah. I was astonished uh, about by the, the skill level actually that the ladies have I thought their movement and their skill on the ball and, and finishing particularly was, was incredibly good so actually I think in a sense, you would expect that. You don't expect them to be as quick as the men, and you certainly don't expect them to be as strong as the men. But, of course, there is no reason why they shouldn't be almost as skillful. And I think some of those players, I mean, Eni and, and, and Jisoo Young particularly, I, I was very impressed with them. Yeah, I think a lot of people maybe who haven't actually watched women's football might just think, like what you said, you know, they're not as athletic, therefore they're not as good. But I think... It's quite, it's quite interesting actually to watch games where it's based a bit more on technical ability because that is what separates most teams rather than you know who's fastest. Yeah, that's a really interesting point actually, and and I think I think the corollary of that, Hannah, is that you know unlike in the men's game, you can't necessarily blunt that out just by being more physical and just you know pressing them more and and you know so basically it's the kind of I mean if you like it's the classic kind of Barcelona type team versus a classic English team well we'll just be more aggressive and physical than them and, and kick them off the ball that's I would imagine that's less likely to happen in the women's game isn't it because basically you're not really gonna it's not a question of being out muscled they have to basically outskill each other would that be a fair point I think obviously player for player there are quite a few I mean Millie Bright for Chelsea I mean she's a absolute beast in the middle she'll shove anyone off the ball right. but I mean as a team definitely I think you know it is more about um, you know finishing passing that kind of thing more than just running past people Who, ta- Hannah who's your favourite player in the team? I think part is between two either Fran obviously because the reasons I've already said or Beth England because I always like the players you know that are really hard working 
Um, and I feel like she's come into the squad from a WSL2 team, actually. And she's made a really good impression. And she's one of those players that, you know, you can always rely on to work hard, even if, you know, the game's not going in our favour, necessarily. Mm, OK. And who's your favourite in the men's team? Oh, good question. Um, probably John Terry, just because, yeah. you know, um, he's been in the team so long. And I, when I play, I play centre-back as well. So I admire him, you know, as a leader, as a player. Everything, really. Mm, so you, you, you play regularly, do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I play um, senior football, which is quite difficult to balance with um, WSL games as well, but I always prioritise Chelsea. Mm, good for you. I'm glad to hear that. I, I hung up my boots a long time ago, you'll be relieved to know. Um, so one of the things that I do know, of course, is that I think uh, the Chelsea ladies are going to move out to uh, K- uh, Kingstonian's ground, aren't they? Ultimately, yeah, hopefully is that, is that we, the plan? I think if we finish that deal and get that sorted, I think that is the plan. But nothing sort of official has been confirmed. So. No, it's it's still kind Who of knows. the deal's all being worked out, isn't it? But I have heard that. I mean, basically the the academy and ladies are going to play there. That's the idea, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that will be good actually, because I mean that's a real hotbed. I mean, I'm not saying that Staines isn't, but I mean. You know, Kingstonian's quite a hotbed of Chelsea support, so I think you might get quite a, you might even get more support there. It's a decent little ground actually, as well. Yeah, I think the capacity is quite a bit bigger than Staines as well. I think you're right. Staines is too out of the way for sort of local Chelsea fans. I mean, you have to travel if you want to get there, which makes it a lot harder to draw crowds. But I agree, uh, Kingstonian would definitely help the team. Okay, right. Kind of final point, really, Hannah. But um, you know, if if you've got one uh, one opportunity to convince, particularly some, you know, hardened, wizened, old git Chelsea fans like me to go along to a Chelsea ladies game, what would be your argument uh, for that? I think my argument would be that um, if you haven't seen the women play before, you'll definitely be surprised about how talented they are, and I think they play with the exact same passion as you would expect from the men. Sometimes, especially last season, I felt like they play with a bit more passion than the men, like representing the team. So I think that would be my main reason you should come to Chelsea Ladies games. Well, there you go. You can't you can't beat that for an answer. And I have to say that actually I think most of us were showing more passion in the pubs before and afterwards than the team were on the pitch last season. So I, I kind of get that Definitely. point. Now, the next home match is, what, Thursday, 1st of September, 7.30 versus Notts County, isn't it? You, I presume you'll be there? Yes, I shall be. Excellent That's stuff. what I mean. It's nightmare scheduling to plan a Thursday night, but there yeah. we go. And, uh, of course, the other thing that I noticed is that a lot, a lot of the matches are actually on, on BT Sport, aren't they? Yeah, they've committed to doing quite a few WSL fixtures. I'm not sure when our next one is. But I know that on the 28th of August, we're playing Birmingham away, and that's on Chelsea TV, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, if it's not on BT Sport, I would imagine Chelsea TV's coverage is far more extensive, isn't it? Yeah, I've not seen... There hasn't been too many games, but whenever it is on there, it's been really good. Excellent stuff. So people can check it out on there. But even that, even you know, better than that, go down to... Uh, the uh, Wheatsheaf Park ground in Staines on Thursday the 1st of September um, and just finally if you know obviously you know uh, people can follow you on Twitter can't they and your Twitter address is at CLFC fans that's it isn't it at CLFC that fans that is correct yes yeah. and uh, 
if they follow you on Twitter, unlike unlike when they follow Chelsea Fancast, where they just get bombarded with my latest uh, show or blog or the odd pithy, uh, you know, uh, comment as what anybody has said, you you actually get really useful information on your Twitter feed, don't you? Yeah, I try to, you know, whenever I see any news articles, I'll put it on there. Anything that I think people need to know. Um, I also do some live tweeting during the game because I know the Chelsea one can be a bit bland. So um, if you can't get to a game or can't watch it, that would be the place to follow along. Well, that's excellent. I think that's exactly what a good Twitter feed should do. And maybe we can learn. Maybe we can learn from you, Hannah. But uh, brilliant. It's really lovely to have you on the show. And I'm really glad you got in touch and, and you know, said, Oi, get me on the show. And I think that's a great idea. And I'm really glad that we did. Uh, and we'll, we'll have to try and get you back on another time. And, uh, you know, to, I, you know I'll, I'll leave it to you to get in touch with me because you kind of will know when, when is a good time in terms of reporting back on, on the Chelsea ladies, maybe towards the end of their season, which is in October. Yeah, um, the league finishes at the beginning of November and then we've got hopefully some more Champions League games after that, but okay. I will definitely be in touch. Well, maybe, maybe we'll check in with you and see how they're going towards that time so we can kind of like, you know, know what's going on and, uh, and hopefully they're going to win a few things then. That would be good, yeah, wouldn't it? And, and as I said, yeah. the offer is open. You can write for us anytime you like. That would be lovely. Hannah, it's been a real pleasure to, to have you on the show, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great. Excellent stuff. Really enjoyed talking to Hannah, and I agree. We'll try and get her back on the show uh, later on in the uh, in the women's season. And just to reiterate the Twitter address, it's at fans. And the website is clfcfans.co.uk. Now, Jonathan, I wonder if you would be so good as to read the little plug-a-rooney for CFC UK. CFC UK. Um, the first issue of the new season was out for the West Ham game uh, at the CFC UK stall. And uh, I hope uh, you all managed to say hello to Marco. Were there lots of people hello, saying Marco. hello? Were they, hello, Marco. Were they saying hello to Marco? Were they saying it? They were. Good. I like that. Um, I must come and say hello. I keep missing you. Say again, I didn't hear that. No, it was a lovely sunny afternoon. And I oh, yeah, it was lovely. Lots of strolling people. Yeah, a lovely yeah. sunny evening tomorrow. Yes, it will be, yes. I've got, uh, I'll be missing the game. for The first game I've missed at home for uh, a very long time because I'm singing with my band, the Rudy V's. At, um, where, where are you playing, the... Jonathan? The Canal Cafe Theatre. We've got three gigs, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. And um, I wish I'd known that the game was on because I'd love to have gone to the game. But uh, such is life. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, it's uh, uh, my act is very silly and it's on my website, if anybody. Bits of, bits of video on the website, which is jonathankidd.com slash the, the hyphen Rudy hyphen Vs, if anybody fancies having a look. Um, I, like to uh, call them, ten... I like to call them the Rudd. I like to call them the ruddy V's. Yeah, I think, well, that would be two D's, though, and there's only one D. So I, um, I like calling them the Rudy's, but then it sounds a bit like a scar band, which we're not. Rudy can't fail, mate. Yeah, he can't, yeah. Um, anyway, come on, because we've got to go to the break. Um, uh, anyway, if you, can't get, uh, if you can't get CFC UK there, which is at Marco's stall, you can always get it digitally, difficult word to say, by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you happen to be in the United States of America, you can follow the Twitter account at CFCUKUSA. 
And if anyone's interested in getting a CFC UK copy, contact Dan Lundberg on Twitter, who is, as we all know by now, at Dan Lundberg, I can't speak, at Dan Lundberg underscore. Sorry, at I'm D so sorry. Lundberg. I got it wrong. I got it all wrong. I can't believe I got it wrong. At D you know Lundberg. He was earlier as well. Oh, I put him off. At D Lundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G underscore. Um, Excellent stuff. Well done, JK. Now, after the break, uh, we've got a couple of emails from you, the listeners, including one from my great chum, Michael Rollban, the Bob Butka of the Chelsea Fancast. Absolutely top, top geezer he is. Uh, now, uh, we've also got the usual roundup of Chelsea supporters' news, and we will be announcing the winner of Clayton Beerman's book, Palpable Discord. See you in a sec. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. I am Stanford Chidge, and of course you are joined as well, or I am joined even, by the lovely Dan Silver. Hello. The uh, effusive Jonathan Kidd. Oh, yes, I am. And the statesman-like Mark Worrell. Good evening, good evening, good evening. There we go, I told you he was statesman-like. Now, uh, this little bit is as we kind of round up everything that I couldn't shove into the other three parts. In fact, actually talking of parts and stuff, um, I quite enjoyed that little interview. I am going to try and get some uh, more interviews, because as, as all of you know, without European football, we have what we call the awkward third part, where there's bugger all football to talk about. Because, I, I mean, even even we can't talk... Uh, nonsense about Chelsea for you know an hour it's just or an, be an hour and a half wouldn't it anyway whatever so I'm going to try and kind of intersperse uh, the third parts with a few interviews a few players I know notable people that I like um, but I'm also kind of considering another idea actually which I'll share with the boys now because I don't think I'll bother to tell them this but uh, I have a suspicion that because we now do this show on Skype we have the we have the technology which as you know fall, falls down at every available opportunity but we have the technology I think, to take a few Skype calls from you people, particularly the ones that are listening in Mixler, uh, or in fact mainly the ones that are listening in Mixler, so if, if you know, let, let's see how it goes and I'll put out a few feelers but if you fancy, you know uh, Skyping in I reckon I can I can manage the technology and you can ask any one of us a question any one of the people are on the show with me so what what do you think about that, chaps? Bloody I'd good be idea. happy hmm. Yeah got a big thumbs up from the boys in the house tonight so we'll, we'll, we'll pursue that idea and that could be you know the interviews uh, plus a few Skype calls could be the solution to the difficult third part anyway uh, we now have uh, something that is not difficult actually it's um, it, we, Clayton was on the show last week and, and as you'll know from what he said and also from what Marco said when he was last on uh, Clayton has written a fantastic book uh, basically um, all on, uh, you know, what happened, like, you know, his journey through last season, really, which, as we all know, was uh, not quite what we expected. And uh, as Marco himself wrote, palpable discord is essential reading, not just for followers of Chelsea, but fans of any club who ride the emotional roller coaster that is the glorious game. And of course, it is available from Amazon and, and even more importantly, gate17.co.uk for 6.95 English pounds. Now, do not panic, because uh, obviously Clayton uh, asked a question. The question that he answered uh, last week was, 
what significant thing happened in the first Chelsea match he went to versus Spurs. I think it was 1967. Do any of you lot know the answer to this? I thought floodlights. Dan thinks floodlights. Marco thinks... Sorry, what, what was the question? What happened in 1967? Clayton's first game uh, yeah. was uh, Chelsea versus Spurs in 1967. What was the interesting thing that happened, or the significant thing that happened that day? Oh, no idea. There you go. No idea from Marco. Jonathan, late run? Uh, I should know. But you don't. And I, there we go. And I so we all struck out. I would have struck out too because I had no bloody idea. But the answer was uh, it was the debut, I believe, of Ian Chico Hamilton. And he scored that day and therefore became the youngest, the youngest ever, ever yeah. footballer. Yeah. And I was there. Scorer. I, no, youngest, was, youngest Chelsea there. scorer. I'm sure you were, Jonathan. He was the youngest Chelsea scorer. He's like holds the record for being our youngest scorer. So there you go. Now there he were was two terrible. Got... He was terrible that day, and all he did was take corners and scored from a header. He didn't do anything else at all. How did he, he score a... from a header when he took the corner? No, no, no. He didn't take the corner that um, uh, for the header. That was from a cross. But uh, he all no. he did, and there was a thing in the program the following week that said Chico Hamilton took corner, corners um, in swingers from the right. Outswingers from the left, and I remember it to this day. Why? Well, Who go. knows what is going on okay, in this strange enough, mind? Enough, 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 enough. We got, we, we had two correct answers. All right. Now I've got two pieces of paper in my hand. One has number one on it. The other has number two. Marco, which one are you going to choose? One or two? Number one. Number Who one is Robert one? Fleck. Beat you to it by a, a nanosecond, and the winner is. Wow, it's Salman Hassan. Well done, Salman. Uh, I know you emailed me the correct answer, so I will ping you an email back and I will uh, get your address. And the next time I see Clayton, which will probably be on Friday the 16th, I will get you a signed copy and I will send it via the Royal Mail to your home address. But well done. Congratulations to you. Thank you for entering. There we go. That's an, I, like, I like giving away prizes. It's quite exciting. Um, anyway, I've got something else that's exciting. Jonathan is going to read the next Plugaroonie, aren't you, Jonathan? I am, I am. Um, uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust. Uh, join the trust and get your voice heard by the club. It's only a fiver to become a voting member, or it's free for non-voting members. And sign up at chelseasupporterstrust.com so you can attend the meetings, come to the events and vote on the issues that directly affect you. So it's a good idea to pay the fiver, then you can vote on the issues that directly affect you and make sure you get your voice heard. And you can follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. Um, apparently, there was a very good AGM held on Saturday. I'm sorry I couldn't get to it. And there's a podcast 13th, of that. It, a couple of weeks ago. Sorry, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. It wasn't. Yeah, no, that's right. It wasn't. It was, yeah, was it, when was it? A couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the podcast of which is now available for a listen on um, the uh, the SoundCloud account uh, or from ChelseaSupportersTrust.com um, and uh, the, the Trust is now entering the election period for the new board as there are nine members standing and the vote will be an affirmative vote so each member standing needs to get 50% to be elected to the board so if you are a Chelsea Supporters Trust member vote early and often 
as Dr. Mart used to say, amongst other things, of course, yes. Um, yeah, that was, you, and the, that was about the, the most sensible thing he ever said, to be fair. Wasn't it? <laughs> yes. The, I miss him. The first meeting I of the newly elected board will be in early September. There we go. And uh, uh, Dan, who is with us tonight, has stood for election in the uh, on the board. I can't say any more than that, otherwise I break election rules, which is basically you're not allowed to canvas or anything. But I'm just telling people out there that Dan's stood for election. As have I, of course. Now, uh, CPO, another organisation that we love, respect and admire. Uh, and if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea, uh, and uh, if you want a little bit of Chelsea, buy a CPO share. Kind of almost works, doesn't it? I used to love that song back in the... I think it was the 70s, wasn't it, guys? If you, if want, you want a little of... No, a if you want a little of, bit... A lot Excuse of chocolate me. on your biscuit. If no, you want... if you want a lot of aggro at your... Cl- uh, if you like a lot of aggro with your football, join our club. That oh my it. God, Chidge, I never knew that one. I used to sing it, I saw you. Um, anyway, going back to the CPO, um, if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners who own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim it is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing football at Stamford Bridge. Uh, now, to find out how to buy a share for around 100 quid, email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners and follow them on twitter at pitch owners now talking of uh, interviews for the awkward uh, third part i think uh, i i've kind of, i haven't i haven't organized it yet but i've been talking to charles rose who's a lovely chap uh, he's the chairman of the cpo he also writes uh, in in the cfc uk fanzine but i'm going to try and organize getting an interview with him to talk about all the cpo and I think with the whole issue of the redevelopment of Stamford Bridge on the agenda, that would be a very interesting interview to do. And he's a lovely chap, as I said. Now, um, OK, Jonathan, we've got a couple of emails. First one's from Mr. Roban. Roban. There's an email from Michael Roban in Los Angeles from L.A. Uh, dear Chidge, tough to moan after taking six points in two games. But what on earth is Conte's fascination with playing Matic? Uh, Matic, Ooh. Matic, what I'm talking about. Matic up the pitch. Yeah, I agree completely. Isn't it bad enough we have a left-back and right-back playing out of position? I understand the idea that he um, he's a defensive midfielder that can win the ball further up the pitch. But what's the point of having a player that can win the ball but has no idea what to do with it when he gets it? Matic looks painfully uncomfortable playing up the pitch and his removal for Fabregas not only changed the outcome of the match but also the texture and immediately Chelsea became a far more dynamic side. It's what we've been talking about, isn't it? Yeah, um, totally. Please t- please tell me this Matic experiment will come to a quick close now. Quite frankly, Fabregas should start. Ooh, and Loftus-Cheek seems more than capable mm. of providing cover. Interesting point because what has happened? Loftus-Cheek, more than capable of Been providing cover. on the bench cover. every game, mate. I know, I know, I know, but I'm saying it's in, in his starting role, which appeared to be the point that Abramovich made last year, wasn't it, that he wanted him to play. That was why um, Gus kept playing him. Um, quite frankly, Fabregas should start, and Loftus-Cheek seems more than capable of providing cover and an occasional start in that role, and offers far more than Matic, who with Kante now in the defensive mid-role, mid and Mikel coming back from the Olympics, good point, Mikel, What's going to happen with him? Surely looks like surplus parts to me. Also, I believe CFC could make a lot of money selling the seat right behind Conte to the highest bidder every match. <laughs> who wouldn't want the chance to get a hug from Conte? Yeah, the guy who got the hug in the uh, the West Ham game was a, a large bloke at the front. Must have been absolutely delirious with joy. Um, I mean, perhaps the club can use the hug money to finally buy a proper left back. Um, 
uh, hashtag Branner to Milan, Matic to Juve. <laughs> mm. Fantastic. Very That's good. Un- uncharac- uncharacteristically grumpy from Roban, I have to say. And for those who, who don't know what I'm talking about, I mean, Ma- I know Mark knows Michael. Uh, I can't remember if Jonathan met him, and I don't know if you you, you were around with us uh, when uh, when Roban. Yeah, Roban used to come on the show a fair bit, and I actually did a, you know, I have to say this because I know that they'll be listening. Well before London is Blue Pod did a live show during a Chelsea US tour, I did one, uh, although it wasn't really very live. But uh, I did it uh, in the Fox and Hounds in Studio City with uh, with Roban and the lovely Paul Crowder, who, who I know a lot of the guys that uh, I know and love know well. And also, would you believe it, Steve Cohen, who, uh, who used to do the World Soccer Daily show and then got himself into big trouble by offending the Scousers. Who knew? Um, anyway, so there we go. Uh, hopefully Bran- uh, Roma- Roban will be coming over for a weekend of mischief with your Uncle Chidge, where we intend to watch live sport, gamble heavily and drink ourselves into oblivion and then possibly round it off with a curry. Uh, I can't wait for that, Michael, if you're listening. Uh, anyway, we've got another email for which there are questions, chaps, which will be interesting for us. This is an email from Grant in South Africa. Good evening to Chidge and the boys. I've been meaning to email you to send my thanks and appreciation for a sterling podcast. I like that word, sterling. Your thoughts and observations always have much depth and bring new ideas of the games that would have escaped me. Oh, we're not bad then, Chidge. My love affair with Chelsea began with the FA Cup final and that brilliant early goal by Roberto Di Matteo, as well as my dad recalling tales of watching Chelsea in the 1970s when it was a greyhound track. I'm very excited for this season as Conte is a breath of fresh air. In his press conferences, he uses the buzzwords that I like, such as work, spirit and fight. Words that were clearly absent last season, and these are values that we strive for at Chelsea. Hear, hear. His passion from the West Ham was contagious, and I think the fans will pick it up. Stamford Bridge would always be buzzing from now on. I mainly like him because he looks like a Bond villain. <laughs> I really hope that Conte gets the freedom that is required to do the job. A quick question for you and your pundits. I've created a game for myself called True Blue 11. The rules are as follows. Create a football team of only Chelsea players. Each player had to be at Chelsea for at least three seasons. There has to be one player from the 2010s, 2000s, 1990s and pre-Premier League. I'll be curious to hear you and your pundits. My team is as follows. 4-3-3. Czech, Ashley Cole, John Terry, Marcel Desailly, Dave, Lampard, Makaleli, Terry Venables, Peter Osgood, Didier Drogba, Gianfranco Zola. Keep up the good work. Up the Chelsea. Grant, South Africa. Mm, well, thank you, Grant. Good to hear from you. That's quite an interesting question, chaps. Actually, do you know what? That reminds me of... Uh... Joe Tweeds does this a lot on Twitter, doesn't he, chaps? I've seen him do that. Um, and as a result, I have a team, because I found out what I tweeted to Joe last time he asked that particular question. So whilst you're thinking of who your likely team might be, I shall kick off with mine to answer Grant's question. But it is Czech, uh, Clark, Stevie Clark from the 80s, Mickey Droy from the 70s, John Terry from the noughties, uh, Ashley Cole from the... 2010s, if you see what I mean. Pat Nevin, uh, Frankie Lampard, Rudy Hullett, Charlie Cook, Gianfranco Zola, and Didier Drogba, which I think is a hell of a team, and it's got all of my favourite players in it, which I'm really delighted about, apart from one glaring omission, which is Peter Osgood. 
So maybe I'll I'll sob out Charlie Cook and put in Peter Osgood, and then I'll be happy. And it'd be a very attacking team. So there you go. That was my effort. Any of you want to have a bash first? I have to think I'll, I'll about play three up, I'll pr- I'll play three up front. Brogba, yep. Osgood, and Kerry Dixon. Oh, well done. <laughs> and that's it so far. And then I'd probably find space for Zola, Charlie Cook, um, and maybe Pat Nevin as the three behind. Four at the back. I'd go with JT, Cavallio, uh, Chopper <laughs> Harris, maybe, if he got there as quick as he could. And... Petrescu? Uh, uh, right back, who we have? Um, Steve Clark, Dan Petrescu? Yeah, Steve Clark, maybe, yeah. yeah. I, think I mean, that's why I went, yeah. I think it's interesting, isn't it, actually? Because I think Marco and me, it's an age thing. We both kind of immediately gravitated towards Stevie Clark. And of course, we know we know why you choose Dan Petrescu, Dan, because because he's called Dan. <laughs> of course, yeah, and he was like, one of my favourite players. <laughs> Who he knew? Was a fabu- fabulous player, Petrescu. Oh, Wasn't he just? God. Jonathan, have you got, uh, got? What a wonderful team that was in the nineties. And there was Wasn't a season where Tori, Tori Andre Flo was. Oh God, was outstanding. God, they were one. Tori Andre Flo. Yeah, I love that I lo- team. Uh, I loved them so. Jonathan, much have you got a team for us? No, I can't get it together. No. I'm sorry. Well, I have just a think have, about it. And if you remember, I'd, well, yeah, if you remember, I'd have Jimmy Greaves in it somewhere just because I saw oh, him good playing. Man. Yeah, if you I'm remember, so try, try and think about it while we're off air. And then when we're next on air, remind me. I'd be, I'd be, I would, yes. I, I'm sure the boys echo my sentiments here. You know, we've got, a, we've got a guy in our midst who's been going since the 50s who saw Jimmy Greaves play, which I never did. Um, I would be really curious to, 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 you know, get an insight into Jonathan's team and his favourite players that would be great so can you do that for us JK yes I'll do it I'll do it I'll do it. I just want to all say right, by the way we did, I don't think we paid enough attention last week I know it was a very long email that we were slightly all losing the will to live but the um, the uh, uh, Mourinho deliberately trying to get sacked so he could go to United theory is one that we haven't really ever explored much and uh, I, I thought think, it yeah, was a really yeah. it, it was a really interesting one who I actually um, spoke to a Man United friend at the weekend who came up with the idea himself without being prompted and he he, he, well, he couldn't put his finger on why on earth the whole thing had imploded. And he said, "I think he just wanted the Man United job." So it's yeah, an I interesting think, how it is. It is out. It is out there that uh, that idea. So maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe we'll never know. Unfortunately, I we don't will think. Ne- but, unless, yeah, I'd, unless, I'd be up for unless Mourinho writes a biography, of course, autobiography. Well, exactly. I tell you what, though, what was interesting to see this week. In fact, today actually, I was watching Sky Sports News and. Uh, Mourinho's already clearing out the youth from United. They they've got rid of that Borthwick Jackson bloke who played four. He made he played fourteen times for United last year. You yeah, know, and I wonder how that. I mean, that compares kind of like with Rob Ruben Loftus Cheek and Mourinho's clearing out the youth. He is going to destroy that club from the inside. So actually, I'm delighted. <laughs> he can stay there and screw it up for as long as he likes. Dan, very quickly because we kind of get get on really. But have you got any ideas for your team apart from having Dan Petrescu in it? Uh, I like Jonathan to think on it. I, mean, I think the front three that Marco picked, I'd have. I mean, you've got to have you know the, the, the spine of the last ten years. Uh, Cole Petrescu. Uh, oh God, yeah. I, I, I think on it. I try and tweet it out during the week. Yeah, well, do the same. Do the same as JK. Yeah. You have a think and bring it in next time you're on. I, I, I think I love. We we should do more of that in the awkward third part. I think we should find some. You know, I've got another idea that we should do. You know, particularly when we've got. You know, older geezers on like Marco and Jonathan. More to the point, older geezers like me, but ones who can remember things like Marco mm. and Jonathan. 
we could maybe talk about a favorite year or something you know or favorite era you know favorite player i think we should you know i think we've got a great opportunity actually this year with the awkward third part to actually talk about some stuff that we never get the t- t- uh, chance to talk about just so as an idea we could have my chelsea could interview various people over the third part about you know chelsea what it means to them their favorite games favorite players and have like a whole like 20 minute interview with various people from that we, we come across that's true we could do that but it would involve talking to the great unwashed mate you know it's not very perfect no i'm only pulling your leg i think it's a great idea uh but there are pl- yeah i'm just kind of talking about that you know maybe go and interview a few people i think that'd be great i'm I'm almost excited again i feel i feel like a bit of a rebirth with the show here um long long may chelsea not play in europe which would allow us more fun on the fan cars what a great idea anyway i guess they call it cheese chats it's like it sounds a bit Cheggers plays pop to me. I'm, I'm going to roll with it. Uh, I shall I shall also be putting a nude picture up to go with that segment. Uh, if you know a about nude, a nude picture, did you say? Well, there's always that whenever Cheggers gets mentioned, some people put. Yeah, 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 he does. He's always naked, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, you're right. He is. You're right. There'll be a naked photograph of me. Actually, I'm hoping for. A, I'm hoping for. A, Oh, for God's sake, he's found... How did you do that so quickly, Mark? <laughs> Chirgus plays pop. Enough. It's, it's his ringtone. It's his ringtone. Thank you. Chirgus plays pop. Lovely. Thank you, Marco. I know you like already. I love it. I love it. I was. I. 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 I, uh, I chuckled the minute I. I recognised it. Sadly, I recognised it the minute I heard it, which is very. I always thought it sounded like. Um... Like sweet were playing the music, so they sounded like quite like. They probably sweet. were. Yeah. Brian Connolly, I bet he was a Chelsea fan. Brian Connolly. Anyway, enough. We should move on because we really got to go home because we kind of outstayed our welcome somewhat tonight, thanks to technology. I know Brian Connolly. About. You know Brian Connolly. Yeah. Oh my god! How, yeah. how can you drop that bomb as I'm about to wrap up the show? Go it's on, tell thing. us about. I wrote him 25 songs. I was in. I was in this way. Oh no, Brian Connolly, not Brian Connolly of the Sweets. Sorry. Oh, Brian for God's sake, you can't do Sorry. that. You can't oh, set us up for a fall like that. Jonathan, you, you, I, bet, I, bet you, I bet you knew Zippy and Bungle, though, didn't you? Yeah, George I did. George the yeah, Hippo. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. They were kind of like competitors of yours, weren't they? They were. <laughs> or were they stable mates? Uh, yes, both. No, they weren't. Right. No, they, they were Thames and we were ATV. Okay, fair enough. Good, good call. Right, okay, really, okay... No more Checkers Plays Pop ringtones. No more noises in the background because I've got to wrap up and leave this damn show. Uh, Righty-ho, people. That is all the time we've got uh, this week, I'm afraid. And the unbearably sad news is that I'm going on holiday. Uh, Obviously not sad for me, but definitely sad for you lot as it means that I won't be here to do the show next Monday, which is uh, 29th, isn't it? Bank Holiday Monday? Yeah. Is, yep, yeah, I got a yes from somebody. Yeah, so there's so I'm going to repeat this for the heart of thinking. There is no Chelsea fan cast next Monday, the 29th of August. Um, very, very sorry. Uh, instead, though, I'll be back at the usual time of seven o'clock on Monday, the 5th of September, to report back on Chelsea's League Cup tie against the Gasheads, uh, also known as Bristol Rovers. Uh, if I can remember what happened, of course, which is very unlikely given that it's two weeks. Uh, and of course our Premier Premier League fixture against Burnley on Saturday well at least the next show will cheer you up after a weekend of international football because if uh, again the heart of thinking will, would not have missed the fact that I am deigning to do a podcast on international weekend 
normally I would bugger off and have a break but as I'm kind of buggering off a week before to have a break I only thought it was fair to come back and see you when I normally wouldn't I hope that all makes sense I do not know now on Monday the 5th I'll be joined by Jonathan Kidd uh, of course uh, together with Clayton Beerman and the return of the high priest of the podding shed Mr Tony Glover also known as Grocer Jack. So put it in your diary, 7th of uh, 7 p.m. Monday, 5th of September. I can't wait. It will be a cracker. Now, do not forget to follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stamford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Dan at DanSilves73, Mark at Gate17Marco, and of course check out the website ChelseaFancast.com if you haven't done so already. Now, uh, make sure, of course, that you download the Acast app, to listen to the podcast or just search for it at www.acast.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Now, brilliant. I've had a lot of fun tonight. Uh, Dan, have you enjoyed yourself? Yeah, splendid. Lovely. It's been a great time. Good stuff. And I'll see I'll see thee later, mate. Uh, Jonathan, dear boy. A joy as always, Chidge. And well yeah, done to Dan for being fun. so excellent in the, in the, uh, um, in the, uh, the fan duel. Thank you, mate. Yes, yes, yes. Don't forget, people out there, to sign up for FanDuel. Promo code Chelsea fans. Come and beat us. Uh, in fact, actually, I'm really Mark and Dan and Ross are the men to beat. Marco, it's been great to have you on the show. Always a pleasure. Always. Always lovely to talk to you and see you. I, I, I'm missing my Chelsea fix, mate. I, I cannot remember a season where I've missed the first two home games. It's just it's uncomfortable, isn't it? When you next up, then? What, Liverpool? My first game is the Liverpool game, mate. But, uh, you know, work got in the way for the West Ham game, and this was a Monday night, and uh, it's Mrs. Chidge's birthday on Saturday, it's her 50th, so I'm not getting uh, let loose on the football. So my first time, I can't go to the Bristol game because i got work, so uh, basically it's all about the Liverpool game, but the good news is I have a day off on Fridays. We know, what, we know how this is going to end, don't we? It's going to get very messy. Anyway... Enough of that. It's been brilliant. Thank you so much for Dan and Jonathan and Mark. Brilliant to have them on the show. Love having them on. Uh, hopefully I'll get them all back on very, very soon. Fantastic to see you lot in Mixler posting your posts. All of them great uh, and, and fascinating stuff. I'm sorry I don't reply as often as I can. It's a bit difficult for me. To try. I can't, you know, I can't do, what was it, Gerald Falls used to say, I can't think and chew gum at the same time. Well, I can't podcast and do stuff or mix at the same time but I'll learn one day you never know right many thanks to my guests this week thank you for listening see you next time until then keep it blue keep it carefree and keep it chills up the chills It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.